0: Today we're going to be talking about love, specifically kind of the curative nature of it, the inspirational value of it, the the zest of it, the liveliness of it. And I thought we should start out by listening to the experts. (laughs) The truth about love. Manuel, age eight, says, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something. But luckily, the rest of it isn't so painful. <laughs> May, aged 9, says, No one is sure really why it happens, but I heard it has something to do with the way you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant and mouthwash are so important. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, age 6, has the theory of how people are attracted to one another. He says, Say if one of the people has freckles, Then he finds someone else that has freckles, and then they're in love. (laughs) Anita, age 9, says, When somebody's been dating for a while, the boy might propose to the girl. He'll say to her something like, I'll take you for my whole life, or at least until we have kids. (laughs) Like, what's up with that? (laughs) Marlon, age 10, says, It's when a man and a woman promise to go through sickness and illness and diseases and stuff together. (laughs) And finally, finally John, age nine, and this one is certainly true in my life. Think back, it's love if they share one of those desserts that are on fire. when was the last time you had Cherry's jubilee i bet it was with someone you loved right okay so that is the truth about love but you know there's another truth that i think is really clear to all of us even if we've never verbalized it haven't you when you've been in love just felt exhilarated like, nothing could stop you. Like, like, the world is on your side. Like, there's nothing that perhaps the two of you, or even you by yourself, just on the fumes of love, right? It's like there's nothing too difficult, too challenging. It's that both that motivation and at the same time, just that healing force that would allow you to accomplish anything. You know, we're using this great book of Deepak Chopra's, uh, Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul, and what you might not know is that there's a lot of scientific evidence that actually, I mean, as if we didn't know, but really has proven that love is both curative and. Uh, in an overwhelming sense, that which draws us into new things, which draws us into new ways of being and, and new importance in the world. And, and in the book, there are several examples, uh, you know, medically, that show the curative power of love. And I wanted to share just a couple of them with you. One of them was a study not done, done not too long ago that uh, compared the outcome of hospital visits to something very interesting. You'd might, you might think that the success of a hospital visit was dependent upon how good the doctors were or maybe how um, good the anesthetologist was or, or how maybe your aftercare with the nursing program there, or maybe even whether the, the meals are particularly nutritious or not in the hospital. But you know what they found? They mapped the outcomes of hospital visits to the number of visitors that people had in the hospital. And what they found was people who had no visitors at all, who checked themselves into the hospital and who went home by themselves and had no visitors, they had the most repeat visits to the hospital for the same illnesses. They had the more chronic of the uh, 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 problems that were being treated for They had longer recuperation times if they had no visitors. And they were more likely to develop other secondary problems like infections and other things going on and they found that the people that had the most visitors got to leave the hospital the soonest they found that the people who had the most visitors had the better outcomes in terms of the success of the surgeries or 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 the you know the the care that they had that they required less follow up with their doctors that in general the people who were cared for the people who felt loved, the people who had someone to love, the people that were supported by their friends and their families and things like that were simply healthier people. Now, I suppose this isn't really news in a way, but to have medical science to have, uh, you know, the scientific community say, "Yeah, we all should get loved." <laughs> It's kind of a significant thing, and this has been shown in several studies. I wanted to share one more study, um, and perhaps those of you are aware that there's actually a now a, a kind of study. In medicine that's around statistics and large hospitals now actually hire statisticians as part of their staff so this particular study came out of the 1950s but they updated it recently with additional information and so in the 50s for some reason or other a small town in southern Italy the entire town had to be relocated and because many of the people in this village had family in America This whole Italian little village, about 200 people, all came to America and settled in, where was it? Rosetto, Pennsylvania. This community was studied about 10 years after they relocated to America because no one got sick there. Because people were living to an extraordinary old age. Now you would think at the age of maybe 70 and 80 to be uprooted from your community in Italy and plunged plunged into a country where you didn't speak English, where uh, customs were different. You might think this would shorten people's lives. On the contrary, this village was unusually healthy, unusually long-lived, and of course, people wanted to find out what it was. What's the secret? Is it the manicotti? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> what is it? What is it that's going on here? And much to their surprise, they they surveyed some some uh, some other uh, small communities around there. No, people were eating relatively the same food. People had adjusted their diets to what was available in the stores in America, and the diets were about the same. This was a rural community and had about the same kind of farming habits and other habits as the the other communities around. But what they did have was a sense of community that was bizarrely strong. Now, these were people that had endured an amazing move across halfway across the world together. And their community was so closed-knit that they celebrated all the births together. They they had generally a couple times a month the entire community would come together in the community hall and celebrate weddings, celebrate birthdays. Do you know what I mean? It was as though the entire community was more like a family. Extraordinary healthy people. The only thing that researchers could come up with was this sense of close knit community, this sense of we're all in this together, this sense of we all love one another, warts and all, you know, strange oddities and all. We're all in this together. We all care for one another. We all share love with one another. Okay, now let's flash forward about 20 years. 20 years later, they did some follow up they're not doing so well the american dream had set in do you know what i mean do you know what the american dream is that each one of us as rugged individuals can make our own way the younger kids were moving out of town to make their fortune in the world to raise their own families the new way the american way and you know what they got sick (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what? Even back in the town as people were leaving and, and the, the sense of we're all in it together changed, people became no longer quite as healthy. Perhaps the American dream was based on the idea of us being self-sufficient, which is not a bad thing. Perhaps it was based on um, really upgrading our economic situations. But I wonder at what expense. I wonder if, in some ways, the old country—do you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, if you look back far enough, all Americans are immigrants, right? I wonder if there was something about that small village in the old country that was actually healthy. So, if this is true, if we actually pretty well know uh, on an uh, uh, on an inner basis, that love is healing. That communities are important. That that being with people that we care about and that care about for us are are healing and healthy and motivating. Why don't we have love in our lives all the time? Now, I'm sure that everyone in this room has felt love at some time, has felt, been in love, felt love. You know, been jazzed by it and excited about it. But why don't we maintain that all the time? Is there something keeping us, if you will, from experiencing unabashedly, you know, giggly, wonderful love, delirious love all the time? If we know it's healthy, if we know it's good for us, if we know it's motivating, if we know it's exciting and wonderful, uh, what's wrong with us? (laughs) Well, Deepak Chopra has a theory. Let me read to you what he says about this. He says, countless people prefer to exist without love. Let me read that again. Could I have read it right? Countless people prefer to exist without love because they are too afraid to risk their current level of comfort. Others have failed in love before, feel wounded and afraid, and still others perhaps have loved in the past but grown bored. And the love has faded. For all these people, love has come to a stop or been put on hold, which means that an aspect of their soul has gone numb. Has our soul perhaps gone numb? Have we fallen into the trap of one of those ideas for not being in love right now? Uh, has a past experience created something in us that has made love a little scary or a little iffy, and so we're we're reticent at, at putting out those those feelings and those uh, those willingnesses to be in love? Have we experienced uh, the love of a relationship fade over time, and maybe we think, well, that's just what love is—it just it's intense for a while and. Then it's kind of gone, and that's where I am. Or maybe some of us even have that idea that uh, we're just not lovable, either anymore or maybe never has been. If this is us, if I'm describing maybe all of us at some point in our lives what can we do to become unnumb? What can we do to thaw ourselves out? What can we do? You know, what steps can we take? I want to be alive and warm. I don't want to be numb. And I'm sure none of us do. Well, Deepak Chopra, has six ideas of where we can go with this and so bear with me here and by the way those of you who actually enjoy homework this would be your homework for the week too to really look at yourself in the perspective of these six particular issues and see what could be done in your own life so first up and this one isn't surprising at all he says you have to be willing to take a risk you have to be willing to risk perhaps a minor wound of the heart in order to achieve the great love in life. Do you know what I mean? All of us may experience a bit of rejection. I'm sure statistics would say that it's probably the fourth or fifth or sixth or maybe 27th person that we go out with, right? That it takes to find the perfect one in terms of finding a long-term relationship. Well, if we stop at number one because it ended up being dreadful, do you know what I mean? Or, or if we don't even go to number one because ten years ago that relationship ended so badly, so we're not even going to go for number one, right? I'm not going to date. Are you kidding? You saw where it ended last time. <laughs> we have to be willing to take a risk. We might get a little bit wounded in the heart. In order to experience the great love, and that's okay. It's okay. We see it all the time with with kids and other people who have a minor setback. Does does a child um, give up riding the bicycle the first time that they fall off? Oh no, not at all. And we can be that way too. We can recognize that the world is full of love. And if it takes a couple extra dates, if it takes a couple extra experiments, if we got to find a new way to make it happen, it's worth the risk. Number two, and this was a big one for me, you have to be willing to not be right all the time. (laughs) Do you know what I mean by this? Have you ever been with someone who at all costs had to be right all the time? They're generally not that happy. And in order really to experience love with someone, you have to be willing to see that your view of things is just an opinion, that it isn't right versus wrong. It's an opinion. I remember when my mom first came to uh, to live with us late in life, and oh my gosh, she had 70 years of doing things a certain way. And initially, there was not domestic bliss in this house. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because it wasn't just that the pans get stored here in the kitchen instead of the pans get stored there. It was like the pans should be stored here. This is the right way to do with them. You know, obviously, your 50 years of storing pans, Larry, has just gone wrong horribly. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, it took, it took about four months, and one day we sat down, and we were both, we'd had a frustrating day, and we just sat down in tears with one another, and we made a pact that from then on, when we saw things that were appearing as wrong to us, we would express them as our opinions, and oh my gosh, it made such a difference. Suddenly, we were not trying to be wrong and right with each other. And the love could be there as we figured out the way we were going to do it together. Number three, and this is a huge one. um, How many of us have uh, been intrigued by those uh, advertisements on television that urge us to ask our doctor if trimethizoronone is right for you? (laughs) It's like, what, what does that mean? This, you know, methadiodiroxacide, is it right for me? <laughs> what I want to suggest today is that love is right for you. Regardless of what your experience in the past has been, regardless of what your love affairs have been like or what growing up in your family of origin was like, regardless of whether there's a a little girl or a little boy in you that maybe has never really (laughs) felt loved before, love is right for you. It is to be had. It is to be enjoyed. It is to be cherished. It is to be held close by you. It is to be emboldened in your life and, and allowed to work its magic on you, allowing you to feel more alive and, and giddy and even silly sometimes. Love is right for you. And you have to accept that. You have to welcome it. You have to be okay with that. Number four, you welcome the ability and the experience of expansion again for those of you who can remember the last time you were really madly in love wasn't it an expansive feeling it was that feeling of oh my god my heart is growing bigger the, the planet is becoming more joyous it was that that feeling of nothing can go wrong and i can accomplish anything it's like i'm in love and the world is big and i'm loving it It is that energy of expansion that accompanies love. And when we are feeling boxed in, when we are feeling full of lack, when we are feeling in our heart that the world is getting smaller, it's very difficult to bring forth new love. And so even though you might not, off the top of your head, think of love as requiring expansion, I think it does. It's difficult to feel love when you've been boxed into a job you don't like. It's difficult to feel love if you're feeling like your finances are meager and you're, you're tied up and tight. It's difficult. And so do what you can to view life as expansive. And feel free to cheat. No, honestly, I mean, there may be times in your life when you are in a job that you don't enjoy. There may be times in your life when you wish there were a few more zeros on a certain side of the decimal point in your bank account. Of course, we all go through periods like that. But feel, feel as if life is expansive. Do you know what I mean? Fake it if you have to. Just lie to yourself. It's okay. Feel that expansiveness of life itself. Maybe go stargazing. Do something that just brings your awareness of how big the universe is, how expansive it is, how loving it is. Number five, and this is very closely related to it, you see abundance as natural to life. Again, the idea of constriction closes your heart up. When you feel that there's not enough love to go around, when you feel like there's not enough money to go around, when you feel like there's not enough caring or support to go around, your heart begins to go, oh, your heart begins to close up. It's that, that natural feeling of energy getting smaller. And when other areas of energy in your life get smaller, so does your heart energy can't afford to do that that's what probably caused that frosting effect to happen in the first place that's probably what happened at some point in your life when you were feeling really in love and then you weren't anymore it probably was that constriction. It probably was that feeling that the world just isn't abundant anymore. And so we reverse that. We put forward plans for being able to feel abundant, for feeling expansive, even even if it's cheating at first. Even if uh, the signs would all tell you it's a time to close up and be tight. Instead, you be bold. You take that risk. You open your heart. You become willing to be expanded and expansive because that's what will bring it on. That's what will bring love to you. That's what will allow you to, to sense that inner part of love. And then last but not least, don't expect a particular outcome around love. And I want to talk about this for a second. One would imagine... That in one's um, late uh, late in life for someone, someone who's quite elderly, one would imagine that having pets would be quite dangerous. In fact, I remember uh, there was an elderly woman in her 80s that lived close to me when I lived on 64th Avenue over in Northeast. And one day I noticed she was out and it was a sunny, bright sunny day and she's wearing a dark pea coat. Kind of bundled up, had dark gloves on, and she was walking her dog down the street. And I thought, well, that's really weird. I, I had seen her many times, but I hadn't really noticed her bundled up like that, and especially on hot days, so I went out and I said, well, um, "How are you, and, and what's up? It's a kind of a sunny day. Uh, what's going on?" And she said, "Oh, I know." She said, "This dog knocks me down all the time. I love it, but, uh, but it you know, I'm 83, and it's 2 and uh and it wants to go faster than i can go and she said now now when it pulls me down i don't hurt myself i have this big heavy coat on and i have the gloves and i'm fine i mean one would think right that being elderly and having a pet whether it's the allergens or whether it's the dirt that they bring in or like you name it you know pets would be dangerous to the elderly right Oh, quite the contrary. All the studies show that seniors that have pets live longer and are healthier. And I'm sure that it really has very little to do with the animal. It's the love. So do not restrict your idea of love so that it has to look a certain way. Maybe you're not going to get married again. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you're not going to find some picture of a perfect soulmate that looks a certain way Mm -hmm. and behaves a certain way. Maybe that doesn't exist for you. And I'll tell you, so what? I do know that love exists for you. I do know that the power of God itself serving up love, that it's infinite. You know, you're at the banquet that never ends of love. There is love around every corner. In the eyes of babies, in the in the smiles of even rotten little dogs. It is in the, the joy of being it. It's at the it's at the checkout stand at Safeway. It's in your place of work. It's in your family. It's in your friends. Love is present in infinite variety, and it's simply for us to accept it. It's for us to see the beauty of it, even in the unexpected places. It's for us to sense it and go with it, to open to it, to take a risk now and then. Maybe it's time for us to go out in the world in a new way where we'll meet new kinds of people, have an opening towards love and friendship that that maybe we've been uh, shy around simply because we're used to doing the same old things the same old way, in the same old environment, with the same old outcome. (laughs) Life, life is simply full of love. And so I'm going to close today with a quote from Ernest Holmes. But again, I just want to, to niggle you the littlest bit around homework. What are you doing to defrost a bit? All of us could experience more love. All of us. Even those who are giddy in love right now. And so my question is, What are you doing? What are your plans for experiencing more love? So the quote is from Ernest Holmes from the Science of Mind textbook, one of my favorite uh, Ernest Holmes quotes of all time. He says, love is the grandest healing and drawing power on the planet. It is the very reason for our being, and that explains why it is that people should have something or someone always to love. The life that has not loved has simply not lived. It is still dead. Love is the sole impulse for creation, and the person who does not have love as the greatest incentive in their life has never developed a real creative instinct. No one can swing out into the universe without love, for the universe is love. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence i'm going to call it love today god is love and what i know about love of course is without end it is that banquet of the soul that's always bringing people and places and and things and ideas and and just the atmosphere of excitement and love always it is that healing power of love it is that incentive of love it is the be all and the end all and the love all of the universe this is god And what I know about God is that it's present right in this room. It's present as me. My life has that same effervescence. My life is full of looking forward to and experiencing love in so many ways, in so many forms, in such depth and in such beauty. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room that each person here has a willingness to experience more love in their lives, has a willingness to take those minor risks To take that chance at greater love from from more places, from more sources, a deepening of the relationships you already have, uh, uh, just an unfolding of the heart. That is what I know for each person in this room, that there is that expansiveness in the heart that brings love. And so I am simply grateful for this, simply grateful to be in this room so filled with God as love. I just let it be, and so it is. is. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for being here today.